the last week of the, uh, the taught ones, and then next week we'll be doing the Q&A, so please send those in. I think we're going to do a call on Sunday as well. Um, so if on Sunday, you, if you forget tonight, then you know, you've got another opportunity on Sunday. Um, so yeah, this is a really important topic that we're looking at tonight, uh, this whole topic of free time. What do we do with our leisure time? Does, does God mind what we do with our free time? Does God care about that? Does he only care about the time when we're in this building? Um, is there any time we sort of care about the time when we sit down, we've got our Bible in front of us? Uh, what does God care about? Our free, why does he care about our free time? Um, I think it's also really important to note that free time and leisure and rest are a huge problem in the culture we live in today. We have a, um, a large mental health problem sweeping through the nation um, from generations coming through. And a lot of that is in terms of not taking rest. Burnout is a huge um, thing. You've got a, a quote at the start of your um, handout thing that says, according to the New York Times, this was in 2010, but the statistics haven't changed, those in church leadership now suffer from obesity, hypertension, depression at rates higher than normal citizens. In the last decade, their use of antidepressants has risen, while their life expectancy has fallen. Many would change jobs if they could. Bit of a harrowing statement, isn't it? So be very kind to the elders and to the other people in church leadership. Um, <laughs> um, it's, a stressful, it's a stressful job. If you are involved in a local church, you're involved in family, you're involved in pastoral situations, no matter what that might be. If you're just involved in a life group, there are going to be things on your time, there are going to be people wanting to talk to you, there are going to be situations you need to deal with. I'm sure all of you can, can respond to that at times when you, know, you may have had a call and it was past the time where if it was a work thing, you would have picked up, but because it was a church person, you did, and you had someone on the other end of the phone, and you had to deal with a really stressful situation. How do we deal with balancing free time and leisure time, but also rest? How do we balance those two together? So let's start by looking at, oh, before I, before I begin, actually, um, I've got this book here, which is my only sort of book recommendation for today. It's called Leisure and Spirituality by Paul... Heintzman, I think is how you pronounce it, because um, there's an N for Heintzman, Paul Heintzman. Um, I haven't fully finished this yet, um, however, I have read the majority of it, and it is very good. Um, the, it is quite highbrow, so that means that there's been quite a, it's quite in-depth about a lot of sort of... Um, sort of ethical concepts and, and biblical things as well, but it's well worth taking your time with. It's one of those ones you read sort of, you should probably read sort of a chapter every little while and sort of mull over and spend time over. I haven't been able to do that, sadly, um, but I will be going back and starting it from the beginning and going through, because it is, it is well worth it. Um, so yeah, Paul Heintzman, Leisure and Spirituality, I think it's at the top. Um, so yeah. Right, well, let's start at the very beginning. Why does, God, why does God care about my free time? Why does God care about my free time? I mean, first and foremost, it's, it, it's very simple, um, is that he is our creator. God cares about our time because he created us. He created us for purpose. He created us. Back in Genesis, you read about God molding Adam from the ground. It's a physical act. There's, a, there's an impartation of what God puts, and he puts in us, his, makes man in his image. Man and woman together, we're made in his image. And so God cares about the time that his image takes, about the time that his image, the, the things that his image puts their heart into, the things that they care about, the things that they worship. God cares about those things. 
And first and foremost in your thing, it says we're his sons and daughters as well. He's genuinely interested in what happens in our lives. In our free time, Father God wants to know about it. It's not like he's um, that sort of father who's waiting by the window, looking out, trying to sort of see what their son's doing or their daughter's doing, you know. It's not that sort of thing. It's a bit more like when I was younger, my dad used to come back from work, and I remember I used to proper peg it. When I knew dad was back from work, I used to peg it to the front door so I could be the first one to hug him. Very sad. I'm sure very cute as well, but, you know. Um, and I used to love that time, and then we used to sit down at dinner, and then dad would ask us all how our days was, and he wanted to know every minute detail. And you know what? I'm sure parents here can testify to this. Sometimes the things that your kids are really excited about probably aren't that exciting. <laughs> you know, oh, I managed to make the third drawing at school today, and it's identical to the other two. You know, to anyone else, that's, that's not important. But for you, it means everything because your child is excited about it and they want to share it with you. That's how Father God feels when he sees what you're doing in your time. When you want to talk with him, when you want to share that with him, that's what Father God is like. He's not keeping an eye on you. He's not checking up on you. He wants to know what's in your life. Secondly, a bit more, a bit more of an odd one, but and something we don't really talk about much, but it says in the Bible that we're slaves to Christ. We have a duty to him as our Lord that actually our time isn't our time anymore. As, as Simon mentioned earlier, you know, our time is not Owen's time that he chooses what he does with so much anymore. When I'm in Christ, there is a duty to my Lord and Savior who actually I owe everything to. And so when I look at how I use my free time, whether I use it wisely, same with when we talk about money. Do we use our money wisely? Some people can say, well, it's my money. It doesn't matter. But I can't say that because actually my, uh, my finances as, as well as my time are someone else's. They are my Lord's. And so actually, if I'm not using it correctly, there's something wrong there. We are one body with Christ as the head. That means we're interconnected. That means that if we're doing something wrong with our free time, it might affect other members in the body, and Christ cares about that as the head. If we're doing something wrong and it's affecting us, then Christ cares about that as the head because there's a connection between us. We have a mission. This is a big one that often we forget. Um, when we are using our time, we need to always remember that we are on mission, that God has given us something to do. We've got a task to do. And so that means that actually, like I said earlier, our time is not our own. And also, the way that we get to choose to spend our time often isn't the way that we would like it if we didn't have a prior commitment, as it were. I remember, um, I know, I think someone has shared this before. It might have been Sam shared this before, but Simon Holly does this amazing, um, said this amazing thing at New Day about are you, um, are you born into a, a cruise ship or a battleship? In which he says, um, if, you are, if you, believe, you live your Christian life as if you've been born into a cruise ship and then a bomb explodes in the, in the swimming pool, you're going to get angry. You're going to go to the manager. You're going to say, why is this happening? You know, why can't I live my life like I want to? Why is this happening all around me? But if you realize that you're born into a war, if you're born into a battleship, then actually when the bomb drops, you grab your weapon and you start firing back. There's an expectation there. When you look at your free time and your, what you do with your life, there's an expectation that you are born into a mission that God has for you. And so sometimes we don't always get to do what, you know, the flesh of Owen wants to do. 
And then lastly, we have a world that needs saving, which sounds a bit like um, we have a mission, but it's slightly different in terms that we care what happens to this world. There's a world out there that needs to know Jesus, and so because of that, we can't be selfish with our time. If we had no mission, if that world was perfectly fine out there, we could be as selfish with our time as we wanted. But it's not. And it needs saving and it needs changing. And so because of that, we can't be selfish with our time. We can't be disinterested in things that this country is going through. We can't just say, oh, it's nothing to do with me. Because it is. Because we want to win this world for Christ. I hope. That's what I want to do anyway. <laughs> if you're on board with that, great. Um, I hope so. But um, that's what I want to do. And so if things happening in the world, we need to be sort of reflecting on that and looking at that. We can't just go, oh, I'm stuck in my own little bubble and I'm trapped in here and that's nice because it's comfortable because the world doesn't work in a vacuum. And so when it, whether it's, you know, politics or whether that is um, sort of society and culture and the way that they're impacting you or even your children, we can't be disinterested in it. We can't have an apathy. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything that gets put ahead, but it means we don't have an apathy in the situation. There's a quote there that says, God doesn't just care about our work. He cares about our time. And that's, that's from this book here. Um, it's not actually Heitzman who says it. I think Packer says that, but Heitzman quotes him. And um, so, yeah, there's a, a thing that God wants to know what we're doing with our time. God cares about what we do with our time. It's not just about work. It's not just about putting effort in. God wants our time. He wants our hearts. And he wants our hearts to be sold for him. And because of that, we do we live a certain way. We do certain things. So yeah, I'm basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause there. We've got, that was quite a short one, but we've got a couple of longer ones coming up. So I'm going to pause there. We've got our first set of questions, which are quite personal ones, I think. So if you just want to chat about that, basically this is you starting to think about what your free time looks like, um, how you view your free time currently, so that later we can sort of have a discussion about that and maybe you can rethink some things if there's some things that you talk about now that maybe later you might go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have thought like that or maybe that's really good. So yeah, uh, we're going to have 15 minutes, so it's 10 to, so we'll start at about five past and I'll do a couple of minute warning. Right, okay. Going to come back together again. Um, Go on to the next thing. Sorry, every now and again, this is going to go because I've got that on. I really should turn it off. I don't need it anymore. Okay, that's better. Um, so when we talk about free time, often I find that you sort of, you're going to fall into sort of two categories. Um, you, may, you may be in between, but most people sort of fall into one or the other, and that's between sort of workaholics and... Um, sort of work avoiders, um, leisure seekers, lazy people, basically. Um, <laughs> you can tell who I am. Um, and I was saying this um, to my girlfriend, actually, and I said, oh, you know, you've got into workaholics and leisure seekers um, slash lazy people. And um, she said, oh, it's just the same as us, isn't it? You know, you're a workaholic, and I don't want to do any. <laughs> I, I was allowed to tell that joke. It's fine. She's listening, you see. Um, <laughs> that was her on me, by the way. Oops, went badly. Um, but yeah, so we're going to look next at uh, the Bible and sort of rest and what the Bible talks about rest and sort of leisure time and how we balance those two things together. Um, the first thing is 
um, that I have on there is, sorry, I really should have put that one on, but I didn't. Um, did anyone rest in Hebrew culture? This is a weird question that um, seemed, it seems a bit odd, but basically a lot of commentators sort of for a while, when talking about rest, said, but did the Hebrew people actually rest? Because, you know, they were working very hard and they had long days and then, you know, in the evening it would have been dark still, so would they have had that rest? Um, to which the answer is, if you look at the Bible, clearly, yes, they did, because it's something that God is very passionate about. Is he puts it in, in the law that they are to have rest times. You have the Sabbath, you have the Sabbath year every seven years when the slaves are returned. You have the year of Jubilee every 50 years, um, in which you have feasts and celebrations, which are times of rest and times of celebration together. And that is put into their culture for a reason. God puts it in their culture for a reason. So if anyone ever says to you, um, but did anyone actually rest in the Bible, um, then you can say, yes, very much so. The Hebrew people did have um, rest in their culture. Um, to, someone then said, you know, but I'm sure not everyone abided by it. Maybe that might have happened. However, in general, the Hebrew people did. Um, and the biggest way that we see that, obviously, is the idea of Sabbath. This idea of Sabbath that starts right there in the very beginning um, in Genesis 2.2, but is spoken about in Exodus 20 through the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Right there at the very beginning, you have God working for six days and then taking rest. There is a balance between work and rest going there, which then is an image that he puts forward to his people when he says, therefore you shall do the same. There is something within God that shows there is a need for rest. There is a need for resting in him for a wholeness and healing of his people. And so that is then put into their calendars. That is then put into the year planning when it comes to crop rotations. That is put into everything that they do. But it starts back in the character of God, that God is a God who rests, and God is a God who works but rests. And so he pairs those things together. And so throughout Scripture, you then see this Sabbath rest day coming together, that you see a holy day that is put aside where people um, lay down all their work and they rest and they worship God and they thank him for all that he does. And in the temple you have sacrifices and, 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 and thing going forward to then to show how amazing God is and his creation and then also to prove what an amazing God he is. He then gives his people, he blesses them. And there is a blessing that comes in rest because of who he is. And we see that throughout Scripture. And then in Matthew um, and Mark and, and, and Luke, you've got these three times when Jesus is then seen by the Pharisees. And Jesus has this weird relationship with the Sabbath, seemingly weird to the Pharisees, um, because his uh, disciples are picking grain. And they go up to him and they say, ah, and I think they've caught him out and they say, you shouldn't be doing that. Don't you know that the Sabbath is holy? And they try and trap him in there and Jesus has this amazing uh, response to them about the Sabbath, which he ends in, in Mark 2, 27. It says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
So Jesus at this time, he speaks out against legalism um, and shows that the Sabbath isn't there as a designated time period. It's not that um, God wanted to sort of set aside time for time's sake. It's not a period of inactivity, but it's to remind the people of God that resting in God is necessary to bring healing and wholeness, but that first and foremost, that is for the people's benefit. That is for their own good. It's not so that they can get um, stuck in this cycle of, of legalism. God does it never out of view of legalism. He does it out of a view that they, it is a necessary part of what they're doing to be reflective of a people who are in him. That all other nations all across the world may have seven days working. You know, their slaves may um, be always going and always in the fields. But Israel is different. Israel is set apart because their God realizes that for a wholeness of, of soul and character and growth as a community, they need rest and wholeness. But with that, there are some dangers of rest. I think rest is a good thing. Rest is an amazing thing. We should all be getting rest in our days, in our times, in our week. Um, you know, you should not be looking to have a week where you don't have time to rest in God's grace and God's goodness in your life. But there are also dangers of rest. And I just want to look at those, and then I'm going to show you an example from my life um, about a time when I probably wasn't resting very well, and I'll show you my schedule um, and how sort of things that I put in place then afterwards. So Isaiah 58, 13. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Um, if you don't, that's fine. Um, I think, is it in your... It might be in your thing, is it in there? No? Okay, Isaiah 58, 13. I must have forgotten to write that one down, sorry. Um, 58, 13 to 14, technically. If you turn your back, if you turn your back, if you turn back your foot, sorry, from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you will, shall take delight in the Lord, and I shall make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And in this, you come across three separate um, dangers that come with rest. And I just want to talk through those quickly. The first one is idolatry. Idolatry is worshipping false gods in replacement of the one true God. And that's, that's shown in the, so if you have your Bibles, it's in the line that says, from doing your pleasure on the holy day. So basically when God says, there's a difference between your pleasure and taking delight in the Sabbath. Your pleasure is the things that you put before God, and you say, these are my pleasures that I will do on that day. And God says, no, you need to remove those things out of the way because I want you to take delight in who I am, and I want you to take delight in the Sabbath. So the first danger is idolatry. And what is an idol in your life? Well, it's, it's the thing. It's the thing that you love more than God, thing that you want more than God, that you desire more than God, you treasure more than God. It could be um, a relationship. It could be good grades. It could be approval of other people. It could be success in your workplace. It could be sexual stimulation. It could be a hobby or a music group. It could be um, a sport or your vegetable patch, whatever it is. And Paul puts it like this in Romans 1.25. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the created, not the creator. And then he said, but in 1 Thessalonians 1, he shows that it should be different. 
In 1 Thessalonians 1, it says, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Idols mean nothing in the great scheme of things. They are short-term gains. They are created things. Paul makes it very clear that when we stop, cre- stop worshipping the creator and we start worshipping created things, we are on a dark road. And sometimes our free time can become like that. Our rest can become the one thing that we look forward to. I know I've done it. Long week, and you're just, you want nothing else but the weekend. Nothing else sort of is in your mind. It's just the weekend. And it's not because you're really excited because it's the weekend, because then you get to go to church. It's because you're really excited because you just do nothing. And you know what? It's not a bad thing to look forward to the weekend. But when that's what you live for week after week after week, is that coming before God? Is the weekend becoming the thing that you live for? Is the thing your escapism, is that the thing that you're living for? Is that becoming an idol in your life, something that you do just to escape from it all? That's one danger of rest. When your pleasures go above what God says are the good things in your life. So idolatry is a big danger of rest. And I'm sure we can all think about times in our lives when things sort of became quite, became idolatrous in our lives. Um, you know, you may not have seen them at the time as idols because, you know, they weren't, maybe, the, maybe it wasn't that you could see yourself visibly worshipping it. But I think if you think about it, there are things in your life that they're the first thing you think about in the morning. There's a great quote in, I think it's, I think it's in Sister Act 2, and they basically say, um, if there's something in the morning, if it's the first thing you wake up in the morning, if it's the first thing you think about, and the last thing you think about before you go to bed at night, that's where your heart is. For them, it's, you know, if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you think about singing, and the, before you go to bed, the last thing you can think about before you go is singing, then you're a singer. That's the, the, the quote. But it's true for this as well. If the first thing you wake up in the morning and you, you want, and the last thing before you go to bed at night, that's often where your heart is. Sometimes for me, it's my phone, if I'm honest. First thing I think about when I wake up in the morning is I reach for my phone. Last thing at night I put down is my phone. I need to be really careful that doesn't become an idol in my life. And I'm sure a lot of people sympathize with that too. So idolatry, big danger. And then the second one is hedonism. So hedonism is the theory that pleasure, so sort of satisfaction in life, is the highest good and proper aim of human life. So hedonistic lifestyle looks to have the most fun it can, have the most satisfying life it can in, in views of um, what the world says is satisfying. A hedonistic lifestyle doesn't mean satisfaction in terms of God. Um, it means a, what the world says is satisfying and sort of short-term gains in that. Um, and that also can look like living for um, your free time, living for your release from work in terms of your free time. And if you treat it like that, then actually you can become addicted to that in a way that your, your hedonistic lifestyle will lead to addiction, much like you see a hedonistic lifestyle of young people which has binge drinking, for instance, or um, whether it's drugs or whatever that is. Actually, you can see the same in your lifestyle, that you become, um, you need that rush of the free time because actually everything else seems so dark and so grey and so mundane for the rest of the week. That's a really dangerous place to get to. I'm really hoping that none of you are in that place, but if you are, there is freedom from that. Jesus brings freedom. 
You don't need to live for those times. Actually, God is with you and brings you rest throughout the week, and we'll see that in a second. And then thirdly is utilitarianism, which is the other end of the spectrum. So you've got hedonism, where you're living for that, that short-term gain. And then there's a utilitarianism, which is a doctrine, not Christian doctrine, but a sort of uh, philosophical doctrine, that, that actions are right if they're useful or for the benefit of the majority. So basically, if you're doing something that benefits culture and benefits the society you live in and benefits the work that you're doing, then it's worth it. And if you're not, then it doesn't matter. And if I'm, if I'm brutally honest, this is the one I fall into. I've never really been much of a hedonist. I don't really enjoy the sort of short-term, woohoo! I'm much more sort of the person who gets home and goes, oh, I haven't got anything to do. I'm sure there's a spreadsheet I can do somewhere. Yeah, I know, sad. Um, but that's what I do. You know, when we went on holiday, so me, me, Sam, Hannah, and Emmy went on holiday, and on the way up, I said, oh, and I actually said this, and I got properly killed for it. I said, oh, and if, you know, if I have any spare time, I think I've got a couple of spreadsheets that I need to put online. And Emmy just killed me for it. Rightly so. She's a very good friend. Um, but yeah, I'm just sometimes you can be looking and think that if it's not for the benefit of what you're doing, then it doesn't make sense and it doesn't matter. And because of that, you, you don't rest. And that's also a danger. When you're not doing what it says in that line of saying, calling the Sabbath a delight. When you're not taking the rest that God has given you seriously and you're wasting it, that also can be dangerous. And so it's also a thing to look for. It may be you, f- you look for the first two and you went, oh, neither of those sound like me. That's fine. I don't, you know, I'm not too overzealous for work, for, for, for rest. Maybe that one's you. Maybe sometimes you can slip into that pattern. You know, oh, maybe just a couple more bits of marking, for instance, this evening, because then I'll feel like I'm okay. Maybe it's, you know, I'm, I want to get the statistics done by a certain amount of time. Sorry, I've done a lot of numbers on that one. There's other things as well that you can do. Um, you know, you've got a project of... I'm, I'm, the amount of times that I've had, like, a, a project in terms of promo work that I've wanted to complete, and I've stayed up till, you know, silly o'clock. Or an essay. The amount of essays that I've written at three in the morning, because I just felt, oh, no, I had to get it done. Because otherwise I won't feel like I've actually had a day that's worth anything. That's really dangerous as well, when you're not taking those times of rest. And so my example, if I'm honest, fits very much onto that, that sort of that thing. My, on the screen, that's my, that was my... I mean, it may be you look at that and you go, oh, that's nothing compared to what I do. If so, probably you've got a problem, because <laughs> I did at this point. And so some of these, you know what? Some of this is going to come to a shock to Sai as well, actually, because... Um, Unbeknownst to some of you, to, to, to Sai actually, at one point I started working for Andy Joyce and did, quite, did a few evenings at um, his Monday club before I drove down to Moorlands. And I would finish about 8.30 and I would drive down to Moorlands. I did about three or four weeks of it and then I realised I was being a fool and I stopped. But it's because I didn't want to, you know, I, I felt like I could do more. So yeah, those were my days. I would have that all in the day, and then I would drive down to Bournemouth, I'd have lectures, I'd drive back, sometimes I went to the youth life group, and then on my study day, I'd do food bank in the morning, and then I'd do study in the afternoon and the evening, sometimes till late at night, and then I'd do life bridging work, then 20s to 30s life group, and then, yeah, Friday I never stop, and then Sunday often is like it as well. And that was my week. Week on, week on, week on. 
And so I can testify I don't take holiday very well. I'm not good at rest. <laughs> and it's something that I have had to really strive for to try and take back in my life. And you know what? If you're a parent, you're probably looking at that and going, great, because you know, I do all of that, and then when I get home, I don't get a rest. What are some things that we can put in place that means that we can be better at this? Because rest is important. Your free time is important. God cares about your free time. He cares about what you're doing with yourself and doing with your free time. And so before we're going to take another break now, but just take a couple of minutes before you start talking. Just look at, just have a think about your week. And just start having a think. Is there anything that crops up to you? And then we have a bit of time later where you can think about it a bit more. But just start to think about that. Have a couple of minutes just thinking on your own. Or with your partner, if that's helpful, for you guys to just chat about that. And then come together and we'll go for the second set of questions. Okay, let's draw that together again. <laughs> Some very interesting discussions happening all over, including those two, um, as you would expect. Um, but yeah, no, they actually, they raised a very good, very good question um, that I think needs to be answered, definitely. Um, is church serving free time? And this is where all the elders <laughs> get, get a bit tense, because <laughs> they don't want me to say yes or no. Um, and because of that, if I'm honest, I'm going to do a massive cop-out answer. I'm going to say it's both. Because I think that there is a, we have a duty of service in what we do, that actually if our heart is for the local church, then our duty and our service is to the local church. You're, where you put your time, your effort, your money in, there your heart is also. And that is very true. And if your heart is in the local church, then you should be looking to serve and you come alongside. And if you are, if you're a church member and you've said that actually this is a, this specific church, I'm submitting to the leadership, I'm submitting, I want to be a part of where you're going, then I would say service is, is part of what you do. But at the same time, that means sometimes making choices that we choose not to do something because we are going to do to serve a church. And actually, there are other times, as we were saying, you know, we were just saying, where we choose to do things, you know, I mean, this may not be the case for everyone. I think it's, if you're in a, so for instance, Phil is chair of trustees. I think he can't complain because he's chosen to become chair of trustees. He can't complain at all. Um, <laughs> but if, you know, for instance, so say Phil decides that he wants to do, you know, add a couple of lights to make things look a bit better, then that's a choice. And that's using his free time in that way. However, the, his, his service in what he does on a Sunday morning, what he does in terms of Wednesdays, what he does um, as, as chair of trustees, that is service in his heart to God. And actually, I don't think that is classed as free time. Because as we said earlier, his time is not his own. And so I think both. It is both. It is your free time. But actually, you're choosing to do that because you know your heart is not your own. And so I think it has to come under both, and I think that is an important um, point there. And you can, you know, argue against that. I'm happy for you to do that. But church should be a high priority. It shouldn't be at the expense of your sanity um, of serving. But... <laughs> if it is, 
getting to that point, I would argue there was something wrong a lot further down the line than church has become the brink and the end of your sanity. Because if it is, then there were other things you weren't putting in place right down the line. Um, and I would say with 99 out of 100 of times, that is what is the case. That actually, if, if you get to that point of complete breakdown, you haven't been looking after yourself, you haven't been taking that rest, you haven't been accountable to someone in a full way because you would have known long before that. Um, and so I think that's a really important thing to say is when it comes to taking time and when being restful but also serving, accountability is a big part of that, that you have someone checking up on you and saying, are you all right? Like Sam does that to me most days because he sees like I'm tired or he sees that I'm grumpy or whatever and he'll go, are you all right? Are you taking time? Like for instance, just now, we just had that conversation right now and he told me off because I haven't taken enough time today and I know it. Um, and I tried to excuse it but there's no excuse. And so, yeah, you should be accountable to someone. You should be looking to put that time in. Um, church service is important. It's where our heart should be. shouldn't be at the expense of your sanity. Um, but then nothing should be at the expense of your sanity. So, yeah. Just four points about biblical rest um, that are on your, I think, good biblical rest. Firstly, rest is present. It's not a future thing. It's not uh, one day I will rest, until then I will live my life at 100%, keep going until I pass out and die, and then I get to go and rest with Jesus for eternity. That's not, when you read uh, Matthew 11, that's not what Jesus is saying. Rest in that context is not eternal rest. It is the rest that we have in him at the present, as well as the rest we will have in him in eternity, the rest of the rest. Number two, rest is not inactivity. When Jesus talks about rest, he's not talking about doing nothing. He talks about the yoke of discipleship. He talks that we're doing things, and that's, that's part of what I'm saying there in terms of your heart is for the local church, and that part of your rest is being with your family, your church family, and investing and spending time together and growing together and furthering God's kingdom together and resting in him in worship and praise. It's not just doing nothing. Number three, rest consists in salvation and the pardon of sin and guilt. I think this is a big one. Um, and actually for the majority of the people here, I think maybe all of you, um, but I won't um, assume, uh, that is something that is true for you, that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, if you are possibly listening on the podcast, or maybe you are here today and that's not true, then I will say that you will not have true rest until you realize that there is a Savior who died for your sin. Because currently, you are living in a state of sin, and then you feel guilty about that sin. And what you need is a Savior to take that sin and to pay the penalty for that. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. And until you do that, you will never have true rest. So that's just a little, a little point. But it's not a little point. It's a huge point. It's the biggest point that I'll make tonight. But it's incredibly essential that rest consists in salvation, first and foremost. And then four, rest is holistic. That basically means it's for, it doesn't just, it's not just your soul. It's not, I am incredibly shattered and worn out, but you know, my soul feels all warm and fuzzy. Actually, rest is all of us. We, are look, we look to rest our bodies, we look to rest our minds, we look to rest our hearts, we look to rest our souls. And those look in different things. 
you know, resting our mind means a good night's sleep often. <laughs> resting our body often looks the same. Resting our heart could mean that um, we're accountable, we're chatting with someone, you know, something's hurting us and we, we are relating to someone about that and they're supporting us through that. Rest is holistic. And in church, because we're a family, we're supporting each other, it should be holistic because we should be looking to basically make sure that we are all all right all over, not just in our minds, not just in, in our souls in that way. So those are some really important things. But the, the key thing, the key thing is, as Jesus says in uh, Mark 2 and as he says in uh, Matthew 12, Jesus is the Sabbath. True rest is found in him. The only truest rest that you will ever find from heartache, from um, work, from busyness, from uh, and, you know, when your mind is just spinning in multiple different ways, the only true rest is in him because he comes to fulfill the law. He doesn't come to get rid of Sabbath. He embodies Sabbath. He is Sabbath. He is rest to us. He's rest to our souls. He is rest to our lives. And so when we look at what rest looks like and what about my free time, well, your free time is Jesus. Your rest is Jesus. Your life is Jesus's. At the moment, we're having, um, as, if you were at the prayer meeting a little while ago, um, Sai was talking about we're having this season of unity as a church together. We've had prophetic words that um, this church is going to be um, building together in unity, that we're going to be strengthened, um, that we're going to see this town change, but that's when we gather together and that we are committed to what God is doing as a church. And I think that's really key as well. That at the moment, the elders are talking about um, unity in terms of how, you know, whether we're committed to uh, love Helsham, whether we're committed to prayer meetings, what that looks like in our everyday lives. And I think that's something that you really need to think and pray about in your own lives, in terms of, are you committing in this season to where the church is going? That the, church, the elders are saying, right, we've got a vision, we want to see this town change for Jesus, and that means that actually, as much as you know, Saturdays and rest are important. Actually, Saturday mornings, you know, once a month, we're going to gather. We're going to use that time. We're going to sacrifice, lay down our time. Not at the expense of our sanity, as I said earlier. There's a problem if that's the case. You need to talk to and be accountable to people. But we need to lay down. Sometimes as families, you know, we're not going to go to the beach on Saturday morning. But actually, all of us, all generations... We're going to come together and we're going to chat to people about Jesus. We're going to litter pick. We're going to um, walk around and, and pray. We're going to maybe even stay here and pray. You know, as a couple, maybe you want to, you know, you'd rather just sit on a sofa and just look into each other's eyes. But actually, you're going to lay that down. And you're going to say, no, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going with our family as a church. We believe that this is where God's calling us to be. You know, Monday evenings for prayer meetings. I think it's a really key thing that actually in this season we're saying, Lord, I'm believing, I'm trusting you for my rest and I'm wanting to put that in, but I also want to lay down the things that maybe aren't as essential but I might want to do and say, look, I'm going to put that, just this season, I'm going to put those on hold because actually I want your work to be done because I know my life's not mine, but actually it's yours. And that's just like something I wanted to end on. I wanted to end on actually that um, this isn't 
the talk isn't taking place in a vacuum. Um, we believe that God speaks prophetically. Um, you know, we've had some key words from, from Joel Cossingham and Hannah Kendall about, about this, about uh, this season that we're going into together. Um, they were sent out to the church. If you don't have them, have a read. Have, be praying about them. Be praying what God wants you to do through those. Um, but we believe that God is speaking prophetically. And so when me and Sam prepared that we were going to end on this one, we had no clue that, that was, those words were coming. We had no clue um, that that's where God was, was leading. But actually, it seems very fitting that we finish with this one because that's where we're going as a church. We're having this season of uniting together under the banner of Christ, under one name. We're going out into that town and we're changing lives for his glory. So I'm just going to end there. We've got the last set of questions, which are going to go up on the screen. And those are just three ones. They're also in the booklet, because I really wanted you guys to take those ones home um, and be thinking about them. Um, you know, if your partners aren't here, chat them through with those. Um, your kids, you know, that's really key for them. This isn't just a, an adult thing. You know, kids need to be taking rest. Kids need to be looking at how that they're going to um, put into their free time and what they're going to do to, to in, in worship to God through that. So yeah, I'm just going to leave you guys now to just talk about those, um, and then in about, about 15 minutes, Sai's going to come and, and close. Or Dunk, I'm not too sure. I think. Can we thank Owen for his talk tonight? Yeah, we're finishing on time so you can have some more of your free time and you can go and rest. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, no, um, lots of uh, thought-provoking stuff there. If you have questions, please uh, text them in there or any questions to any of the, ser uh, the, the, the topics we've done this series, then uh, please text them in. There are booklets available on the table over there from the other talks as well. So if you thought, actually, I missed a talk or and you know people that wanted some of the booklets there, available on the, on the table over there. But otherwise, thank you very much for coming and look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning, bright and early and expectant for God to, to move amongst us. We'll, do a, we'll put this number up on Sunday as well. So if you, uh, if you have any more questions, you go home and think, oh, I've got another uh, question I'd like to ask. The number will be there. You can, can send it in. But otherwise, have a good evening and uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week.